Live from the heartland and the crossroads of America, it's Tony Katz today. It's the heat. That's going to become the bigger story than any other story out there. If the price to heat your home rises the way it's getting discussed in, in locally, Indianapolis, you've got Center, Center Point, which is out of Evansville, warning of increases in winter heating bills. $130 a month on average is what it's expected to be November through March. Last year, the average bill, same period, $88. This is a huge deal. If you don't think these supply chain issues affect our daily life, there you go. Nationally, they're expecting the same thing to take place. These energy prices have gone up. We've already talked about uh, barrels of oil that hit the $82 mark. We're we're settling around 80. Uh, Who knows where they are right now? They're seeing massive power needs in China and India. This is not surprising. This is a conversation that's been going on for a decade. So that's not the story. That's not enough of, of, the, of the story. They've always wanted energy. They have been, what, what do we call it, thirsty. That's why when we take a look at China trying to make deals for oil from, from uh, Iran, that becomes an extreme issue. That's why you get these ships out of North Korea that get stopped that have a tremendous amount of coal because we have sanctions on North Korea and so do other nations because, after all, it's a hellscape and maybe they shouldn't be torturing and starving their citizenry. But they're communists. What else do you think is going to happen? Bad policy has bad policy effects. And there is no doubt that when you have a policy... That believes, A, everything should be government-owned, government-managed, government-run, government-connected. You can't actually create things. It's impossible. It's not because I say so. It's because reality tells us so. Every time we see it, every place we see it, I did an interview today. Me, I'm Tony Katz. Tony Katz today. Great to be with you. Facebook, Tony Katz Radio. Everything at TonyKatz.com. T-O-N-Y-K-A-T-Z. TonyKatz.com. And the conversation was actually about the Cigar and Bourbon show, Eat, Drink, Smoke, eatdrinksmokeshow.com, which is going fantastic. So we were talking about that, but we got into conversations about how uh, we address some of the things on that show where we, we don't really get political. It's my escape from politics. But you can't discuss supply chain without discussing imports and how it's affecting, well, the cigar world. More imports than ever, but what if you can't get The cigars in that get manufactured in Nicaragua or Honduras. What if you can't get certain materials that you need? There are not enough lighters and cutters made in the United States. When I look for these things to do as uh, to, to, to have our own, right? Sell our own. We've been asked for a lot of them. Trying to find things not made in China is impossible. We've been looking to do ashtrays, cigar ashtrays, which is different than a, a regular ashtray. It needs, it needs the room, you need the space, you want a certain level of style. I found one that was fantastic. The price was like, this is going to be great. It, of course it's made in China. It's made in China. I can't use it. I can't bring myself to, to uh, bring in a, a Chinese product. It, 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 it drives me crazy. And some people are like, Tony, just do it. It's marketing. It's going to be okay. I have an issue. I had made, uh, producer Ari has one as well, uh, tumblers. 
uh, coffee uh, tumblers. Uh, it's got the, the TK uh, lasered on there. I love it. It happens to be excellent. I use it every day. Phenomenal. Made in China. I didn't know that when I bought it. Oh, and I'm throwing it, it away. It's the, it's the only reason I haven't bought more. It's excellent. It's sitting right next to me right now. I use it every day. It is absolutely positively fantastic, and it kills me. I'm like, I, I, I did them as giveaways, right? I never, I never, uh, I never sold them. I never, I never did a thing with them. I did them as giveaways because China's, like, oh, it's killing me, killing me, drives me nuts. So when we, but but this idea that somehow China is this worthwhile nation, these communists are not worthwhile people. You heard me talking about it. We have to put an end to dealing with communist nations. Certainly, you have to deal, deal with putting an end to dealing with with China, to dealing with having supply chains there. It doesn't provide us any value. It's dangerous. Now, there's something to be said about having supply chains throughout the, the world. So if one thing goes down, you have another. That's, that makes rational sense to me. What does not make rational sense is a total dependence on China, which we have. Have we not learned? Have we not seen that this doesn't work? Didn't COVID tell us this? We develop drugs in the United States, but we allow them to produce them. No, we have to produce them right here. And I believe it is a matter of national security. Heat could also very well be a prime example of national security. When we see that that the, the, the price of, of heat is going to go up, what I just brought up to you, the numbers uh, here locally, on average, $130 a month is what expected. Last year was 88 So that is a difference of $42. And you say to me, okay, it's $42. How many other bills do you have, have that have gone up an average of $42? All of a sudden, for a lot of people, the expendable income is gone. It's gone. Let's take it back to what I was just discussing regarding cigars. You take away $42 a month, and for a lot of people, that's their cigar a week. Look, I, I may smoke some more expensive cigars, but not always. Not The idea that it has to be a $30 or $40 cigar, no. Although I've had some brilliant $30 or $40 cigars, and I've had some $30 or $40 cigars where I've said, well, I just wasted $30 or $40 because I could have had an equivalent smoke for $10, $12, $14. And there are some excellent smokes in 8 or 9 Yeah, there are. There are some excellent cigar eight or nine dollar sticks out there. Really and truly in your humidor, you you will you will love all weather, absolutely fantastic. So when I say all weather, there are some things I will admit work better on a cooler day, work better on a hotter day. The time of day certainly matters. What what you've already had to eat that day and how you pair it out, right? It, it, it based on where your palate is. But that's gone. So, okay, you make the argument, all right, well, you're not going to be able to get any cigars. Now multiply that by the amount of people who aren't getting the cigars and now ask the cigar lounge what the impact is to them. Expendable income is how the country thrives. So if you see an increase of $42... It isn't just $42. It's somebody else not getting $42.
this is broken window fallacy. Right? There's broken window theory and there's broken window fallacy. So broken window theory is, I think I'm doing this one right. Broken window theory is the idea that when you see broken windows in a neighborhood, that's a sign that the neighborhood is dilapidated, that this, and therefore it becomes this kind of self-fulfilling prophecy. It's important to keep your neighborhoods clean and then have, have, have a pride in ownership and work on fixing these things. Broken window fallacy goes as follows. It's, it's, it's a parable, and it comes uh, from Bastiat, so French economist, uh, 1800s. So there's a couple of kids playing ball in the street, right? They're throwing the ball. They're hitting the ball. They're doing whatever. Next thing you know, ball gets hit. Thwack. I guess that's, I guess what it sounds like, right? Thwack. Crash. And, and the baker has their window broken. And the baker comes out. Baker's furious. Look what you did to my window. And then some people come by and say, whoa, don't be yelling at the kid. The window's broken now. The, the window repair guy, he has a job. That is broken window fallacy. The idea that destruction creates value. Because if destruction created value, then we would all be cheering the economic recovery brought forth by Black Lives Matter and Antifa through all the destruction that has taken place. By the way, there was more destruction that took place in Portland Dozens of windows uh, shattered, businesses uh, spray-painted with kill cops, kill all cops, eat the rich, and anarchy means attack. Well, sometimes freedom means attack, too, but hey, if that's the way you want to play it, you know my theory on, on anarchists. They're all tough guys until they get a baseball back to the head. Then they're just going to simply lay down in the fetal position and wet themselves and beg you to stop while they ask you to call their mom to pick them up. Good Lord. The anarchists believe that anarchy means attack. Should we, the free and thinking people of society, already just take it? Or no, should we I, fight back? It was just a very graphic description. Well, what can I say? I like to paint a picture that gets people to understand what it is we're talking about. Broken window fallacy is a failed thought process because we know that destruction doesn't bring these things. But there's a part two to this. And that is the idea of what is seen and what is unseen. And this idea goes to this $42 that we're talking about in the rise of heating costs. Is $42 okay? I can't buy cigars. I, 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 I have to heat the house. Kids need heat. Well, the $42 now doesn't go to the cigar lounge where people work and have to provide heat for their families. What is seen is $42 in a rise of cost of energy. What is unseen is what and who loses out on that inability of people to decide what to do with their dollars. It was taken from them by these rising prices. Inflation does this all the time. Inflation is an absolute abuse of who? The poor. Because inflation is a tax. And it is the poor who cannot get around it. Rich people, they can handle it. They can actually slim one or two things, but their, their, their main things are just fine. The poor are the ones making real, real decisions, and those decisions impact everything. 
and create more downward spiral. Which is why I was amazed I heard this from Chuck Schumer. I couldn't believe Chuck Schumer said this because I don't think he recognized how damning and damaging this is to the Biden administration, to Democrats, and to their policies. No family should have to choose between heating their home or putting food on the table. But that what's a lot of people, particularly seniors, do, have to do. And no seniors have to choose between shivering and purchasing medication that they desperately need. That's also what a lot of seniors have to do. So we need to make sure our most vulnerable here on Long Island have what they need to pay their heating bills. So we're urging HEAP, uh, HHS to allocate HEAP funding at the highest level soon enough. In previous years, they didn't allocate it quickly enough, even though the money was in the budget, and a lot of people didn't get it. This reliance on government when government policies are causing a lot of the inflationary pressures. Choosing between heat and food, you're right. I don't want people to have to choose between heat and food. Why not take a look at monetary policy and why not take a look at economic policies in the United States and ask ourselves if we're doing this right? Why not take a look at what forced mandates on vaccines are doing to employers and the lack of employees. Take a look at what disincentivizing work by paying people to stay home is doing. And here's Chuck Schumer saying more government. What he's really advocating for is a more dependency thought process. We the government did this to you, so we the government will take care of you. More reliance on government, more big government guaranteeing his future and the future of his party. But if you were to take a look at four years of Donald Trump, while there were definitely people out there who chose between food and heat... It wasn't a national conversation where the White House had to comment on whether or not you were going to get Christmas gifts because of supply chains. I was stunned to hear that from Chuck Schumer. I, th- throwing the Biden administration under the bus in that way. And then telling America, see these things? The answer is more government. The answer is not more government. The answer is more government getting out of the way. The answer is more government doing less mandates on, on, on individuals and on businesses. Allowing people to work. And then once that happens and you start incentivizing work, not adding to disincentives of work, where the federal government is competing against the private sector, people go back to work. Just like we discussed when it comes to the ports. And you had Joe Biden saying, I got the answer. I got the answer. And the answer is 24-7 ports. The ports of Los Angeles, the port of Los Angeles announced today that it's going to be, begin operating 24 hours a day, seven days a week. That doesn't solve anything. You need the people You need the people to unload the ships, to unload the containers, to load up the trucks, to drive the trucks to Indiana and other places. Sure, they can get stuff as well. What the heck? But you disincentivize the work in California through Assembly Bill 5, which ends the gig economy, through this idea that certain trucks aren't allowed because they don't have the right emissions. All, all done with, with the, the, the stroke of a pen and no real science behind it. The government creates the issue, and then Chuck Schumer has the audacity to say, we'll fix the issue by engaging more government. 
And now you're going to tax people more because how else are you going to get the revenue? And those people are business owners who are taking in less because the price of heating oil and, 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 and gas. Your vote does matter. And choosing president absolutely makes a difference. And choosing which party is in charge absolutely makes a difference. I will not make the argument that the Republicans are perfect. I will never make that argument. I have referred to them a million times as the party of stupid. The party you should choose is we the people. And policies that bring us value, not R's and D's after names. What policies give us opportunities? That's the only thing that matters. Yeah, this, this heating increase, it's a big deal. I'm Tony Katz. We should also note that when it comes to COVID, they are protesting all around the globe. Italy, thousands taking to the streets because of the radicalness going on. People are blocking the entrances of ports, which is a problem in and of itself. They've extended what they call the Green Pass to all workers. Starting Friday, workers have to show this pass offering proof of vaccination, recent recovery from COVID-19 or a negative test, or face being declared absent without pay. This is valueless. It's valueless. It provides us nothing. Absolutely, positively nothing. But the people uh, fighting back, I love this. Fantastic and good and terrific. This is what we should want to see. Can a private business in the United States mandate a vaccine? I, I, I think they can. I have seen nothing, absolutely nothing that tells me otherwise. Governments, I don't think they can. It's certainly not the U.S. government. Italy is is getting treated poorly. The Australians, that, that, that is certainly not a democracy, just so we're all perfectly clear. Nothing wrong with fighting back. I love it. I absolutely love it. Facebook, Tony Katz Radio, everything at TonyKatz.com. This is Tony Katz Today. I spoke the other day about this story out of Norway where a Danish man, I think it was Danish, uh, killed five people with a bow and arrow. And my argument was, you know, uh, they're never going to call bow and arrow violence. They never refer to it as knife violence. But when it's a gun, it's immediately gun violence. And I have serious opposition to the idea of calling anything gun violence. Tony Katz, Tony Katz today, it's good to be with you. And the reason I do is because it's utilized as a tool to denigrate gun owners, 
to go after gun owners and lawful gun ownership. We should be opposed to such things. In New York, by the way, they are now looking to revive ammunition background checks. You see, if they can't stop you from owning a firearm, then they'll just stop you from getting ammunition. Problem solved, right? It's the right to keep and bear arms. It's not the right to keep and bear ammunition. So why not? These people, they never stop. They never rest. They never quit. The story by Cam Edwards over there at BearingArms.com. The, the idea that we can do this to Americans, that this is the way, the, the, the gun control people, the gun control people never, ever have a, have a moment of rest. And as the story goes, there's a group called New Yorkers Against Gun Violence, and they're very upset that police commissioners, they actually found it inappropriate, that police commissioners bring up claims about bail reform at a hearing that's focused on the rise in shootings across the state. Well, bail reform really goes to the idea of where prosecutors are and whether or not we are actually prosecuting crimes or are we letting people back on the streets and then they engage in recidivism. And the point of this woman, Rebecca Fisher, who's with this group, New Yorkers Against Gun Violence, she wants the lawmakers to focus on gun violence as a public health issue, and I'm quoting, Recidivism and the issue with repeat offenders is really not related in any way to the spike in gun violence. It was off-topic, inappropriate, and frankly false. Since the outbreak of COVID-19, there's been a dramatic uptick in shootings, and we need to do more to reduce those shootings. Taking away my right to keep and bear arms and protect myself and my family, the ones that I love, it's certainly not the way to do it. She would disagree. Well, she's wrong. And it's okay to say to people that they're wrong. Remember, these are the people who remind you that abortion is sacred, not in the Constitution anywhere. But the Second Amendment, which is in the Second Amendment, that's up for debate. But the idea that recidivism doesn't have anything to do with shootings is, well, I think just on the anecdotal false. But notice that her focus is on gun violence. If, 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 if you're mugged and you're just thrown to the, to the ground and harmed or killed, if you're stabbed to death, that doesn't matter to New Yorkers against gun violence because it's not about violence. It's about absolutely ending the Second Amendment. Not because I say so, but because just, just walking down the primrose path, taking a look at what they're saying, asking questions and analyzing the conversation. You are left with just one answer. So this guy goes around with a bow and arrow, murdered five people. The story that I found was interesting, the follow-up, is that he was identified as a Muslim convert. I have always thought it despicable to take what one person does and label an entire group. I don't do that. Certainly... I have an issue with radical Islamists. Certainly, I have an issue with ISIS or Al-Qaeda or the Taliban. Certainly, Sharia law is violent and evil, and no one should actually want this. 
And there are societies out there that think that they shouldn't have to engage laws with the United States, that Sharia law should uh, be what they work with, where they are, where they live, even here in the United States. And of course, that is wrong. That is uh, a violation of who we are as a people. And I don't mind throwing those people in jail. If you think there should be uh, laws based on your religion that, that supersede the Constitution, I don't believe this in the slightest. I think you're allowed to have your religion. You're allowed to practice your religion. The law is something different. You think there are religions that engage the idea that uh, you can have abortion? I'm saying I think a main proponent against abortion is due to religion. That, that may be a, a teaching from religions, but clearly the argument is it's about killing. I, I was just presenting a, a counter-argument. The idea that a religion might, for example, religions say thou shalt not murder, right? Uh, but that's, that's not an argument to say you're not allowed to have the right to protect and defend yourself. Sure. So uh, we're on the same page there. Oh, I was just, I was being contrarian for contrarian's sake. Well, how is that working out for you? I thought I'd add to the show. <laughs> you add to the show, producer Ari. That this guy is a Muslim convert. I would argue in the initial got purposefully left out. Because remember, all I told you is that it was a Danish man. I didn't know religion. I didn't know color of skin. I didn't know anything. But just like we see in American press, if, it was a, if it's a white cop, we know it immediately. If we don't hear anything about it, we can assume it wasn't a white cop. That happens all the time. Is it wrong to ask the question, what is it about these converts that very often we see them in these violent places? I wouldn't say that's true about every convert, any which way around. But haven't we noticed things? And the fact that it was left out when I'm going to, I know we're going to find out that it was known. In 2017, this guy posted a video where he described himself as a messenger with a warning. A messenger with a warning. That's, a, uh, hello, I'm a messenger. I come with a warning. This is what you really want. And for all who want to make up for themselves, so it's time, bear witness that I am a Muslim. That's the video that was flagged to law enforcement from Facebook in 2017. The problem with these, these, these flaggings, the problem with these watch lists is that they don't do anything. I mean, there may be plenty of things that get thwarted that we don't hear about. But there are plenty of things that happen that we do hear about. And I just think it's wrong that we didn't have all the information as if somehow someone's trying to hide the information from, from the quick. Don't hide information. Not hiding information is Larry Miller. This story is insane, and it has to do with Michael Jordan. So Larry Miller is sharing a story of something that happened to him when he was a kid. He is the chairman of the Jordan brand, the Michael Jordan brand. And it's a story that he kept secret from Michael Jordan and others until now. He's now revealing that when he was 16, he murdered an 18-year-old. Wait, 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 wait. Back up. What? Larry Miller, who is 72, in a Sports Illustrated interview, 
It said that he served time in prison after shooting a guy when he was 16 and he was a member of Philadelphia's Cedar Avenue gang. Oh. Took to the streets drunkenly in search of revenge after one of his friends and fellow gang members was fatally stabbed by a member of the rival 53rd and Pine Gang. I I mean, was it was public record, so I guess it's they knew when they hired him. And his line is, we were all drunk, I was in a haze, once it kind of set in, I was like, oh, S, what have I done? It took years for me to understand the real impact of what I've done. It's a crazy, crazy story. There's no valid reason for this to happen. And that's the thing that I really struggle with. And, you know, it's the thing that I think about every day. It's like I did this, and to someone who it was no reason to do it. And that's the part that really bothers me. Yeah, as it should. I make an argument, for lack of a better word. 16, black, murdered a kid, did jail time, got out of jail, and is now a rather successful person. My question is, first, uh, to, the, to uh, gang life. Gang life is messed up. The retribution aspects of gang life is totally messed up. And we see this playing out not just in gang life. Uh, a girl doesn't want to date you, so you shoot up your school. It is about the inappropriate way to handle your business, your feelings, your emotions. But it also goes to the idea that we should be looking at prison, and in, in, in many cases, maybe not all cases, as what do we want out of it? We, the society. Would it have been better if we had taken this 16-year-old Larry Miller, who I'd love to interview, by the way, Producer Ari, we'll, we'll fly him out to India. I want to sit down and have a cigar with this guy. Would it have been better if we had taken this kid and said, oh, gangbanger, and thrown away the key? Of course not. The answer is, of course not, but you hear that a lot. And a, a, dis, a dismissiveness. A, a dismissiveness of, 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 of people who, who go to prison. It should be tough. It should be difficult. I'm not saying it should be fun. But once you do your time, you should be able to get back in society without, you know, if you're rehabilitated. I'm making, I'm going a little bit deeper. We should be focusing on how to proactively rehabilitate people. Oh, man. How to proactively help people get skills. How to proactively want people to get out of jail and go on with their lives. That's the conversation, yeah. One of the horrors of cancel culture. Which does exist. I, I, John Stewart did a an interview where he's like, the only people uh, talking about cancel culture, you know, all the only people being canceled, the people talking about cancel culture, just stop talking about it. He's 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 very wrong here. He's very wrong because uh, it's 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 not that we can stop talking about it. This is this is horrific, and this is dangerous. And we tell people. That they can't have their lives back. It's over. There's no shot for you. There's no room for you. Absolutely nothing. It's over. But I've mentioned the fact that while we do that, while we do that, we give uh, Mike Tyson a Broadway show. 
He raped a woman. We can allow this? We allow a rapist back in society? Well, he did his time. I got a... I got real issues there. Yeah, he's a good athlete, Tony. Oh, because that, that's what matters. I, I, he's, the, he's the champ, don't you know? Tell me that didn't have a factor. Oh, 10, 10 billion trillion percent. 10 trillion billion percent. Michael Vick as well, yeah. Michael Jackson, too. We, we, we forgive certain things and not other things, which is really ugly. By the way, if, if you, you, you know, when I say I'll invite him for a cigar, I will. And I will even get some Partagas Lusitanius, which is Michael Jordan's cigar. That's the one that he smokes all the time. According, according to the sources, six a day. For the record, I do not smoke six cigars a day. Holy, holy cow, that's a lot. If your full-time job was being a billionaire, would you not smoke six cigars a day? It, it, it would be the physicality of the thing. Um, could I be somebody who easily smokes two a day? Absolutely. Absolutely. Three is really pushing it. But I, 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 uh, it, it would be a really weird day for me to do, uh, more than that. And it, uh, three is a very rare occurrence. I mean, maybe, you know, Indy 500, because we're there, we're doing the pre-race coverage. And so we get to the track and no one's there. That could be a three cigar day. That's my point. That's your job every day, just to go and chill. Six, man. Six is tough. But I'm amazed he told the story, because he could do damage to himself if he ever lied about it, right, on an application or to anybody, you know. But it's an interesting story about what we, what, what the human mind can do and maybe how we need to be thinking about what it is we want. What is it that we want out of these things? It's about us. And this one isn't about Larry Miller. This one's about us. What do we want out of prison? Is it just punishment or is it about creating the better opportunity on the other side so we have less people being punished and therefore we have a better society? Got to change some of those thoughts and we can be far, far better. That's my take. I'm Tony Katz. Lieutenant Colonel Stuart Scheller, he's the one who made the video after the, the withdrawal of Afghanistan asking, how could we do this? How could we leave people there? How come anybody, how come none of the leadership threw their rank on the table and said, uh, Mr. President, we shouldn't do this? And he made this video, right, defying uh, the, the chain of command. He has pled guilty to all six misdemeanor charges. Willfully disobeying a superior commissioned officer, dereliction in the performance of duties, conducting on becoming an officer, and a gentleman. So the judge says he has uh, a two-month forfeiture of pay. Um, he, that's what he would have given him, but the guy spent nine days in the brig, nine days in jail, if you will, in pretrial confinement. He's been freed from the, 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 the brig, and he has to forfeit $5,000 worth of pay for one month. He was issued also a letter of reprimand. And that's the end of it. 
Judge saying he doesn't condone Scheller's offenses, but noted his 17-year career and that he was an officer outside of this with an outstanding record, which weighed heavily in his favor. The prosecution wanted a $5,000 fine, uh, a forfeiture of $5,000 to pay for six months, and a letter of reprimand. So they wanted more, and he got just, just, just a month. And that's the way it's going to go. I'm not going to sit here and question what the judge did. I, 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 what, what would it matter? I don't like it when officers do not follow the chain of command. But if this is the way things are done now by so many other underlings, why not this guy? And it's a great question for what Mark Milley and Lloyd Austin did and did not do in this horrific pullout of Afghanistan where we've left Americans behind. Have yourselves a weekend, people. Take some time to relax. I'm Tony Katz.